welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. I hope you guys got a lot uh, out of the last two episodes because even though I went on for quite a bit, I don't think I really could talk about numbers more. <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad I'm not an accountant because, well, I like watching numbers dance and come to life and playing with spreadsheet formulas. Yeah, there's only so much I can really go into. So let's get back to uh, you know the meat and potatoes, if you will. <laughs> Um, something happened this week that got me thinking. One of my employees came in the office, closed the door and he sits down at my desk and I was waiting for, you know, some kind of problem, something I had to solve or help. And he says, that's my job now. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm like, okay, let's go. He sits down and he goes, you know, I just want to thank you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> for what? I didn't do anything. And he goes, no, really? He goes, I just want to thank you for how well you treat us and run this company and and care and he just starts going on and on and I'm like where did this come from he goes I've worked for a lot of people and I can tell you I've never worked for anybody like you and I'm like what I don't know how to take that honestly I don't it just doesn't well doesn't happen very often right he said the same thing he goes you know you don't get thanked enough I'm like that's not my job I don't do this for the thanks I do this because I enjoy it he goes yeah well you do such a good job of rewarding us it doesn't really happen the other way as often as it should. And I was like, oh, I appreciate that. And it got me thinking, how did I get here? How did I get to that point? And I get asked that a lot from other business owners that either come visit or call or consult or all that. They always have the same question. How do I get your company culture? How do I get my company to run like yours, be like yours? I don't have an answer, honestly. So I started thinking about that. And I think he hit it on the head. I got where I am. The same way that I've, I've talked about and everything else, I take very little credit for anything that I've done because I've watched others lead. That's the the number one uh, education that I've got as a business owner is watching others lead. You know, I didn't go to school for it. I don't have a degree. Uh, I just had to learn by doing and by seeing. And the number one thing that I could uh, watch is other leaders leading. So a lot of the uh, the policies I put in place, a lot of the things that I do and say and have tried, I've gotten from other owners, other companies, other consultants, not even in the chimney industry, just like I'm talking YouTube videos, TED Talks, right? I'm watching other people, what they have to say and do. And it's not all great, obviously. And I've always been somebody to take the good, leave the bad. Even if I take something good, I'll try to find a way to make it mine because just because it worked for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for me in the exact same way. Different people, different mindsets, different states, different areas, regions, whatever. It's all going to be different. So it's hard to take one for one all the time. You got to find something and make it your own. So that's how I've made a lot of the good things work in my company. When it comes to the company culture that I have, it's a very, very simple formula, which is I've worked for bad bosses. That's it. I watched other leaders lead badly. And I said, I will never have my employees feel the way that I do right now. I will never make them do this or, or have to say that. Or, and it, it fueled me when I started my company to not just go into business, not just make money. What, of course, that's what it was. Nobody goes into business to be a nonprofit. But I wanted it to be different. Because I'd worked for so many other companies that made me feel less than or didn't, you know, I would wake up in the morning and not want to go to work or wish I could call out or wish I could find another job. You know, all of, I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of you listening have been there as well. But 
when I think about leaders leading, I was trying to find some analogy for it, and it hit me that in the military, for those that have not been in the military, don't know, there's two different class or levels to the military, if you will. There's enlisted members, and then there's officers. Enlisted is essentially your grunts, right? Your uh, E1 through E9, they're like the worker bees. They go out and they get everything done. They're the hands-on. They're the front line. Enlisted men are the guys that, that get everything done. They're the employees, essentially. Officers are the leaders. They are, they've been to schooling. They've been to college. They have degrees. They have uh, shiny insignia rather than just a patch, of, you know, kind of a matte patch that goes on. So you stand out, right? There's two different ways to become an officer. You can go to school ahead of time and then enter the military as an officer right out the gate, or you can go in and be enlisted first, work for a while, and then through promotion or recommendations or various different ways, you can go to officer school after being enlisted for so long. What I learned in the military was let's say somebody goes in and they're, they're enlisted uh, their whole career, right? You get up and you're 30, 40, 45 years old. You've been in for 20, 25 years and you've got the rank, you got the experience. And an officer comes right out of college, 18 years old. We call them butter bars in the military because the first rank uh, is two gold bars. And you go in there and everybody knows that they're brand new, fresh out of the, uh, the academy because they're, you know, early 20s, maybe. And they got the butter bars on the collar. What was interesting to watch was somebody that's been in 20, 25 years, he's paid his dues, right? He's been through everything. Having to submit to a 20-year-old with a pair of gold bars in his shirt, it just doesn't seem right. Like this guy just showed up and he's asking to be saluted and asking to be treated specially. And you got this guy that's been in since probably before he was born having to submit to him, but that's the way the military works. And a lot of butter bars get a bad name because they do come in with this chip on their shoulder. They come in very, listen to me because, and I have the rank and you need to do, and it just becomes very disingenuous and just cocky, arrogant, and they get a bad name. So there's kind of this rift between officers and enlisted because it is such a vast difference between the two. But what I noticed is I had a, a CEO when I was in, uh, a captain really, really chill guy. Just you'd go into his office expecting to have to stand the whole time and you're sweating, stand at attention and just be uncomfortable. And you'd come in and he's like, yeah, don't salute, sit down, kick your feet up. Hey, let's talk about this. And I'm like, man, this guy is different. Like there's this, this other officer down the hall that's just a raging lunatic and you have to stand and salute and snap to. And he's just all about it. it he was just different. So I started talking to people like, why is he so different? And they said, he was enlisted. He's He knows what it's like to be you. And I'm like, that makes total sense. Somebody that doesn't have, that hasn't paid their dues, hasn't worked their way up. Somebody that just comes out of college, goes right in. All they know is rank. All they know is what they're owed for their rank. Somebody that's worked first and done the worker bee and then worked his way up the ladder to get to that point I'm not saying everybody that's ever been enlisted that becomes an officer doesn't get that chip on their shoulder and a power trip. I, that's not what I'm saying. But the majority of guys that I met that were prior enlisted and they had to become officers, they got it. They didn't want the pomp and circumstance. They just, they had to because it comes with the rank, but it wasn't craved. They didn't treat people a certain way just because of rank. 
I tell all that to talk about business. I learned a lot about running my business, owning a business, starting a business by remembering what it was like to work for someone else, right? Company owner, entrepreneur, CEO, whatever, you're the officer. You've made it. You got you got shiny insignia on your shirt. And now you've got to hire a bunch of enlisted to do the work for you. We've all been there. Anybody that's read the email talks about that. 99% of entrepreneurs started out working for somebody else and said, I can do this better on my own and went and started their own. So a lot of us doing this started working for someone else or at least had other jobs before getting into this. You have to remember what it was like to be in the trenches, to run any company, to be any manager, to be any leader. You got to put yourself in their shoes. Like I said, I don't have a degree. I didn't go to school. Could have, might still, not really sure. But everything I learned was just saying, I'm not going to do that. When I started my company, I had certain core beliefs. I was like, these are things, these are hills that I'm going to die on. The first one was, I don't want to lay anybody off. That's just, it was very common when I started in the chimney industry, not just in our company, but others, where we would work all fall long and just kill ourselves. And it's cold and it's long hours. Christmas comes, maybe here's a bonus if you're lucky, and then, hey, see you in April. I don't know how many of you shared that same experience, but that's how I got started. That's literally what happened. Work your tail off just to say, okay, well, you get a three-month vacation. Good luck. Maybe I'll call you in the spring if I need you. (laughs) And I did that for five years. Like, trying to find, first of all, work at the drop of a hat in the middle of the winter. That's hard enough. And then the work you're going to get, probably not the best work. And then them knowing, yeah, well, I'm probably going to have to leave in three months when my other boss calls. It was just a really weird position to be in. And I had to save all my money all fall because I knew if I didn't get a job, I need to have something to fall back on. And I did that for five years. Well, four, because the fifth year I was like, can we start setting appointments in the winter? And they're like, sure. So we did. But that's a terrible way to live. That's a ter- That's, you know, there is seasonal work. A lot of people have seasonal jobs, but I didn't think that chimney sweeping was as seasonal as it should be. I'll get into that in a later podcast because it's not. You can work year round if you put uh, a lot of work into it. But that was one of the first things when I started my company. I'm like, I am going to make my company a year round. I'm not going to lay anybody off. I don't want to have this weird dance. Sorry, thanks for your work. Take a vacation till maybe I call you. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want them to go without. That was another hill I was going to die on. As the owner, leaders eat last. That's actually the title of a book by Simon Sinek where he talks about that. Most leaders want to be front of the line and get up there and get their share and get out because they've earned it. And he talks a lot about the military in his books. He talks about the, the military when he was overwatching Navy SEALs. The leaders eat last. The enlisted, the soldiers, the front line, the ones that are doing the majority of the work, they eat first and the leaders get what's left. That's how the military works. That's how it should work in business. A lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people feel, I've earned it. I'm, gonna, I'm at the top of the food chain, so I'm going to get my first share. That's fine if you want to be that way. I didn't. So I I made a vow that my employees would always get paid before I did. I talked about this in one of the last two episodes about my first July, $1,435. That number is etched in my brain because I remember making $1,435 in one month with two employees and they got every single paycheck. I didn't. That's the way it should be. That's... (laughs) I know people, well, I know people right now that are withholding pay from their 
employees because, you know, well, I'll hold it for you or I'll get you later or uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff boils my blood. That's that's so unethical and wrong. The leader is supposed to eat last. If you haven't done your job to give yourself or your employees enough work, don't punish them for your mistakes. Don't do it. It's not their fault. They signed up to come work for you. Coming to work for you is not a privilege, as some people think it is. Coming to work for you is an opportunity. And it's your responsibility now to provide for them. It's like having children. They are depending on you for their paycheck. So (laughs) if you don't have enough work or something happens, it's your fault, not theirs. And I went through that as well. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, you got some overtime. So I'm going to bank that for the (laughs) next week or one of these weeks when you fall short. That's illegal, by the way. I didn't know that back in the day. I know it now. (laughs) That happened to me. I'm going to bank your overtime hours. I'm going to take these three hours and not pay you this week and then wait for a couple of weeks when you get like 37 and I'll give them back to you. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> That's illegal as hell. Don't do that. And I, I've, like I said, I've been through this. So that was one of the first things I'm like, That's never gonna, I'm never going to do that to somebody else. And I haven't. I would, you know, talk about like having kids. It's the more employees I get, I still look at them as like having children. I don't look at them as, well, some of them look at them as kids, but I look at it like having children. They're, they're depending on me. I mentioned this a few episodes ago, like, you know, if it rains, if it snows, if a job gets canceled, I'm not going to send 10 people home and say, okay, sorry about your rent and your lease and your car and your kids and your food this week, but eh, it's my job to provide for them. But it's a lot more than just the job. When I was working for someone else, uh, we had we were given two shirts a piece, company shirts, and they had one logo over the breast, nothing on the back. And I went into uh, a gas station one day, and there was a plumber, or electrician, or something standing in front of me in line, big huge logo on the back, website, phone number, and I'm like, man, we need that. Like, how many people see this little thing on the front of the shirt? A lot of people are going to see it from the back. So I went to our owner. I was like, hey, can we get some new shirts? He's like, oh, maybe, maybe. I was like, okay. I said, well, when we do, can we get a big, huge logo, phone number, website on the back? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. Can't, can't do that. Why? Can't afford it. It's too expensive. I said, how much is too expensive? Like, I'll pay for it. I'll help. Like, I want this. I want us to do better. I don't want people to have to be standing two inches away from the front of me to know what our name is. It doesn't make good business sense to me. And he said, we couldn't afford it. So we didn't. We also didn't have company jackets. So if we showed up at your house in the dead of winter, which happens a lot up here, we just have the one t-shirt or sweatshirt that we were given, but we had to put on this massive big parka Carhartt something because we're freezing to death. It would be something I bought at the store that I'm now beating up. But not just that, we show up looking like mismatched, who knows, right? Our logo is completely covered in three, four different layers. So he's wearing a Carhartt, I'm wearing a, a North Fate or whatever. Like the, you just, you don't look like you belong anywhere. That's not a uniform. And I said the same thing. I'm like, hey, can we get some better winter clothes? No, no, no. Can't afford it. Okay. Tools, same thing. Cheap tools, easy tools, not enough tools. I was like, that's terrible. I would always go and like, hey, can we get a different this? Can we get a different that? Oh, can't afford it. Can't afford it. We kept hearing that over and over again. When I started my company, I was like, that's not going to happen. One of the first things I did was I went out and I bought black Carhartt jackets and I brought them into my my clothing guy. And I was like, Hey, can I get these, uh, le- uh, logoed? And he goes, you can't screen print Carhartts. It doesn't work. You have to embroider it. And I'm like, okay, so embroidered. He goes, no, you don't understand. It's a different needle. 
it's really hard to penetrate. It doesn't, it takes a long time. It actually burns the machines up. So it's really long, really expensive, really hard. I said, I don't care. Can you please do it? And he did. And he charges me an arm and a leg for it. But to this day, I now have 22 field technicians. And Max just put an order in that everybody's getting a logoed embroidered Carhartt because winter's coming. That's what you do. If you don't have enough money, make it. (laughs) If you don't have enough money, take from yourself to make sure they have. What kind of, do you think I would send my employees out in the dead of winter when we work in zero degrees on icy roofs and say, yeah, go clothe yourself. (laughs) That's just, that doesn't make sense to me. Same thing with um, like really good winter boots or insulated pants. They're expensive. And actually, prices have gone up this last couple of years because of COVID and supply and all that stuff. What used to cost 40 now costs 60 because I went and I price checked them. $60 for a pair of lined pants. And one pair is not going to do it because you know you're going to burn a hole in the pocket of one of them or rip this one or stain that one. And uh, a few years ago, I was watching my employees walk around. It was November-ish. It was cold, slush and rain on the ground. And they're walking around in sneakers. One kid had like holes in the side of his sneakers. I was like, you're going to get new shoes? He's like, yeah, yeah, one of these days I will. Yeah, I just, you know, I got to save up. And I'm like, right. So what did I do? I went down to the store down the street that sells Carhartts and line jeans and work boots and all this stuff. And I got gift cards for all of my technicians. And I went back in. I said, hey, here's a gift card. Go over there. This is enough to buy yourself a really nice pair of work boots that are insulated and steel toe and all that stuff. Go buy yourself a pair of work boots. And this will get you probably about two pairs of pants too. And they all did. Because if you're going to work for me, not only am I going to give you what to wear, you know, on your upper body, uh, 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 beanies and Carhartts and sweatshirts and all that stuff, but I'm not going to have your lower half freezing either and have you walking up a snowy roof in sneakers. That's not going to happen either. So go buy yourself a nice pair of clothes. Now I have a clothing allowance and I do it every fall. I just did it last month, brought them in and had to go up on my my, uh, amount of the gift card because the prices went up. That doesn't affect me. That's not my problem. I have to. (laughs) I literally feel like I have to. Because I'm not going to send these guys out. One, mismatched. If anybody's ever been to my company, you know that I have to have everybody matching, logoed, presentable. That's number one. Maybe that's the military in me. I don't know. But also warm. Right? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. So as I think about working for other people and having pay cut and not being provided, not having good tools and not just going without. It reminds me what I, one of my favorite quotes is people don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad leaders. And that is so true because I always talk about how this job sucks. (laughs) It really does. This is a terrible job to be in. You're going to be on four stories or in a dirty basement and you're going to be covered in soot and you're going to be on a ladder or a boom lift and you're going to be in zero degrees and a hundred degrees and rain and this is a terrible job and people sign up for it every single day and they sit through my powerpoint in the interview and i'm like here's what you're going to be doing and they still say yes and they still come in and they still do it and they stay why because i'm not here for me i'm here for them and they feel that from day one that's what makes our company different this isn't a me thing i'm not here bragging on me Because the management, the core team, the employees I have working for me right now, they all feel the same way. It starts with me. It trickles down. But the whole company has to feel that way. If you get a guy that comes in and is all about me and he's all about numbers and he's putting everybody down to get ahead, get 
rid of him. I already talked about that. I had to do that this summer with an employee. Terrible, terrible employee with the toxicity, attitude, condescending, putting people down. The second he was fired, everybody just clicked. Everybody started like having fun again it was i can't even explain it and then they started coming in one at a time thank you so much i almost i couldn't work here anymore because it's not the job they're doing a terrible job in terrible conditions they enjoy being here and when somebody doesn't make them or doesn't allow them to enjoy being there all of a sudden they don't want to anymore it's that simple and i've been there too I did this job for someone else. I remember standing there dead of winter looking at the guy working with me going, why am I killing myself for this guy for this amount of pay in this weather doing this crap job? Why am I here? I could be anywhere else right now. On the other side of that coin, I've had an employee come up to me in the last month and say, I would run through a wall for you. I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Who says that? He said it. He goes, doesn't matter what it is. I would run through a wall for you. Let's get this done. That's that foxhole mentality. I'm his boss. You know, you'd think they would just say that because it's more than words, it's actions. This employee and a lot of other ones, they do. They run through walls for me every single day on purpose and enjoy it. I'm like, what? What? And I'm trying to figure out what the difference is. It's because I care about them. That's it. This same employer that I'm talking about that wouldn't give us new uniforms wouldn't give us better uniforms, wouldn't give us logoed uniforms, wouldn't give us better tools, was taking our pay, our overtime pay and banking it for. There were so many other things I can go into. But anyway, that same employer would say things like that. And then the following, I'll never forget this. He came in one day and he's all excited. He goes, you guys got to come here, come here, come here. And we crowded around him and he's holding onto his phone. He goes, you got to watch this. And he pulls up a video and the video is him recording from his cell phone sitting four rows deep from the glass at a professional playoff hockey game and he's like you got to see this hit you got to see this hit and he's trying to show us something that happened three feet away from his face it was a great play but behind him as he's all trying to show us this video us employees were looking at each other like you've got to be kidding me This guy can't afford better uniforms or tools or to pay us on time, yet he's going to brag about glass videos from a hockey game. Don't be that guy. (laughs) I can't put that any simpler. Don't be that guy, right? I had another guy come in back when my business was run out of my house. Finally, I had started my own company. I was on my own trying to hire. I had somebody show up because literally when I stay in my basement, You'd walk in my house and there's my TV and my couch and my life, my house. And then there's this little desk in the corner with a card table. When I say card table, picture four by four. The legs don't really work. Stains on the top. Like it's been through a lot. That was my company. That's my entire business. It was a desk and a card table amidst my life. So I put an ad out. Guy applies to it. He comes in. He sits down. I was like, so what's your, he's older. I said, what's your experience? He goes, I've been in the industry for 25 years. I'm like, 25 years? I look. I didn't know that we were sweeping that. Like, what? The guy's at least twice my age, and he's sitting in front of me, and I'm like, listen, I have to ask. You've been doing this a long time. You've obviously worked for somebody for a long time, and you're here in my basement sitting at a card table with me, and I'm half your age. I need to know why. Why would you even think about this? Like, I needed to know. Like, what? What? Why? And his answer was, the company I work for has lost its way. And I'm like, well, can you elaborate? He goes, yeah. 
the manager came in the other day to one of our meetings and he starts screaming at the entire company. I'm one of the lead guys. I'm like in charge of, and he listed off what his, his duties were. He said, I'm in charge of all this, been there all this time, tenured. And the manager comes in in the meeting and starts screaming at me and screaming at everybody else. And he goes, you guys need to do better. You guys need to sell more. You guys need to do your job better because if you don't sell more blank, I can't afford the boat I just bought. I, just, I, can't, I, I can't fathom that level of asshole. And neither could he. He had a company. He'd been at tenured for all his time, experience out the just. And he comes and he sits in my basement at a card table with little, you know, me running a two-year-old business or whatever it was at the time. Because of that, because people don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad leaders. That's a bad leader. We can't afford better stuff, but hey, look at what I've done with all the money I have. Hey, you need to do your job better so I can afford my boat. Give me a break. It's not that hard to run a good business when you've seen and heard people act like that. And they do all the time. Don't be that guy. So I started sitting down and I was going to originally do this episode on servant leadership. I'm big on that. Uh, I'll save that for another day because I kind of got off with what I've been talking about already. But I'll give you a piece of that because I was trying to come up with the difference between a self-serving leader and a servant leader. There is such a difference there. One of the, re- I, I talk a lot about how hard it is to grow and it is, don't get me wrong. It's a lot, headaches, backaches, pain, growing pains, all that stuff. It's all true, but it's worth it because I'm in this for my employees, not for me. Haven't been since the beginning. It's easy to say now that the company's big and it's growing and have all these people and you know, I get to sit behind a desk. It's great. I'm telling you all the stuff I already told you. So you understand that from day one, that was my goal was I'm going to make this about them. I'm going to make this the best job they could ever work at. I'm going to make this so they will never want to leave because it's about them. I remember being enlisted. I remember being in the trenches covered in soot. I remember what it was like to do this with less. I'm going to make sure my guys do it with more from day one. So self-serving leaders versus servant leaders. In my experience, a self-serving leader views their employees as burdens. Just listen to the way that they talk. You know, and by the way, you know a self-serving leader from a servant leader. You already have them in your head as I'm talking about this. You're like, yeah, I remember working for this guy, or I know this guy, or I've seen this. You already know it. A self-serving leader views their employees as burdens. I knew a guy, owned a tree trimming company, or tree cutting, whatever. And I was talking to him one day, and one of his employees did something. I forget what it was. And I said, thank you. And he's like, oh, all right. And I turned to him and I was like, wait, you didn't say thank you? And with a straight face, he wasn't joking. He turns to me and he goes, please, I say thank you every Friday when I give him their check. I don't need to say it every single day. <laughs> okay, buddy, you do you, right? <laughs> Who? What? That was his attitude. I say thank you on Friday. So just give me my crap and keep going. Okay. Yeah, that's how you want to run your company. So I made it a point. I thank my employees as much as I can. Thank you for doing it. That was an amazing job. Good job. Praise everything because why the hell not? How much does that cost me to be nice to my employees, to thank them for what they're doing, to show appreciation? Cost me nothing. A servant leader views their employees as a blessing, not a burden. I thank my employees all the time because they're doing a job that I used to do. So I know what they're going through. 
I tell them all the time, there's not much you're going to do in this industry that I haven't already done and screwed up three times. And that's the truth. So I know what they're going through. I thank them all the time. But it's more than that. It's not just a thankfulness. It's a gratitude. It's attitude of gratitude. Because I wouldn't be where I am without them. Literally. My company wouldn't be as big if they didn't stick around. I wouldn't be able to sit behind a desk or sit behind this microphone if they weren't still doing the job that they're doing. I literally wouldn't be where I am. And I feed that back to them. You want to promote, you want to grow, you want a promotion, you want to go move onward and upward from what you're doing. You can't until you've made the people behind you, you, so they can take your place. If they don't grow, there's nowhere for them, there's nowhere for you to go because nobody can take your place. That's how this works. If you're out for me and you put everybody down beneath you, you're never going to move up in this company because nobody can take your place. You've handicapped yourself. So my employees are a blessing. I thank them all the time, daily, as much as I can till it's nauseous almost because I wouldn't be where I am without them. So do you do you view your employees as burdens or blessings? A self-serving leader views training as a nuisance. I work for a guy. <laughs> he would always say to me, you ask too many questions. Will you just, will you give me a minute? I'm like, what? Meanwhile, when I had started, he's like, you know, make sure you ask anything if you don't understand. I'm like, okay. Me, who didn't know that stoves are in the living room, not the kitchen. Remember that story? That's how much I know about this industry. So then I was told a few months later, I asked too many questions. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Let me just sit here and learn through osmosis. That's fun. And then those those self-serving leaders, you hear, you know, these guys need me to hold their hand all the time and they can't do anything right. And they're still burdens. They view training as a nuisance. Like, I have to show you this. Don't you just know it already? You've watched me do it enough. I joke about that, but then I became that leader. I told you about that a few episodes ago where I thought, you know, they would just learn by osmosis. Leaders are busy. We got a lot in our mind, emails, phone calls, text messages, customers figuring stuff out. There's a lot going on. So it's easy to get caught up in that. But remember that they need you. They need you or else they don't know what they're doing. That's your whole job. Make them better so that they can take your place or they can do the same thing as you beside you, one or the other. A servant leader views training as a necessity. It's a necessity. It started out in my company as a nuisance. I'll be honest. It was. I didn't have the time to train. I wasn't the the best trainer. I joke a lot because my my own mother still tells people to this day how bad of a trainer I was growing up with anything. She'd have a problem with a computer or a phone or something. She couldn't get something to work right. So, hey, can you come? Can you show me how to do this? I would take the phone out of her hand. Here, let me do it real quick. She goes, no, no, no. I want you to show me how to do it so that I can do it when you're not here. And I'm like, what? okay, okay. Take the phone, push the button. No, not that button. The other button. Oh my God. No, just hold it. Don't put, I, it was a nuisance to me to have to show somebody how to do it. But that's the whole point. Now I have a consulting business and I teach classes and a podcast. So I've grown a lot in that, but I wasn't always that. I was terrible at it. And my mother will tell you the same. But now I've realized that training is a necessity. It is not a nuisance. You have to impart that into them every chance you get. To the point now, we educate in our interview. We're already showing slideshows, talking chimney talk, getting them ready for what they're signing up for. So it's not a surprise and they quit after a day. But then they start, they get a week of training before they go into the field. Hands-on, knowledge, slideshow, everything. I'm going to make sure they're prepped. Not going to be perfect, obviously, but they're prepped to go out into the field. 
So now my leaders in the field don't have to worry about that stress of training somebody brand new on the job, on the fly in somebody's home with a time constraint. That's terrible. And I went through that as well. But then regular training. Every Tuesday, we have training Tuesday. Even if it's something that everybody knows how to do, we're going to watch it again to make sure we're all on the same page. This is how we want it done. And and on and on it goes. Reviews, quizzes, they're always getting something fed into them so that when they're ready to get certified, all of my guys that have gone to the school have come out going, we, we already knew all that. I'm like, I know. That's the whole point. Don't wait until you go to the school or go to the class or whatever it is to start learning it. You should have been living this already. At six months in, my guys are already being fed code and just information and knowledge and terms to the point that it's second knowledge because training is a necessity to do this job. We're in charge of putting fire in people's living rooms and allowing toxic gases to flow by bedrooms. Why the hell wouldn't you train? I don't understand. A self-serving leader fears that their employees will be better than them. It's a literal fear. I've seen it in my boss's eyes and I've seen it in other owners' eyes. I've seen it in some of my employees' eyes. They fear that those under them are going to be better than them. And what's the fear? Well, they might take my job. (laughs) That's the whole point. A servant leader wants the employees to be better. I want my employees to not just be better than they are. I want them to be better than me. And I tell them that. I am terrible at parging smoke chambers. I'm a big guy. I don't fit in there very well, so I'm uncomfortable already. And then I'm just not that good at it. I just, I don't do it well. Max, one of my first employees, was. So I said, here, you do it. And it became kind of this, you know, delegation, if you will. But I was like, I don't want to do it. You do it. And he ran with it. And then for a while, it was like, he's better than me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that the point? (laughs) That's the whole point here. How am I supposed to go anywhere, go onward, upward, promote, grow, if the people beneath me aren't as good or better than me? Now, being out of the field for a year, a lot of my employees are better than me at the whole damn job. That's okay. I talked about this a few episodes ago. Again, you want to grow your business, you have to change your job. I'm not a chimney sweep anymore. I'm not. I've got, what was I doing? I was doing something the other day and I couldn't figure it out. My text like, here, let me show you. And he did it for me. I'm like, aha, right. That's all right. That's not a fear. I want them to do it better than me. That's the whole friggin' point. (laughs) But some people are just scared to death of that. They're scared that they might leave. Okay. One of my, another one of my favorite quotes is, uh, what if I train them and they leave? Oh, no. The other side of that is, what if you don't train them and they stay? Which headache would you rather have? I've done it both. I've had, I have two bastard companies within a mile of me. It hasn't phased me in the least. They keep taking employees as we fire them. Whatever. They've stolen our language off our invoices and estimates. They copy our pricing. Whatever. You can copy us all day long. It doesn't phase me. We talked about market share a while ago. It's, it's, there's so many chimneys out there. It doesn't matter. Worry about you. I don't care who props, uh, pops up in my area. You could open a chimney company in the same building as me and it wouldn't hurt me. It wouldn't even phase me. That's, I'll do another episode on competition, but you get the point. Don't worry about them leaving or taking your job. That's the whole point. Your job is to make them better. So keep doing it. A servant leader focuses on improving themselves. Improve myself, my wallet, my life, me, 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 me. That's the whole point. It's very easy to be me, 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 me when you're small. One, two, truck company because you are the company. That's the whole point. The bigger the company gets, I can't focus on me anymore. 
I'm not the the center of attention. I'm not the go-to. I have to focus on them. That's the whole point. But not just improving them in the sense of doing their job better, right? That's training. You want them to do their job, be better than you take your job. Right. When I say focus on improving myself, my wallet, my life, like we're always as business owners, like, oh, it's going to be so rosy. I'm going to go on all these vacations and trips and have all these nice things. And that's great if you're selfish, which... Go ahead, be selfish. If you're making money and owning your company, that's fine. If, right, don't be the guy showing off videos from playoff hockey games if you're not buying your employees what they need to do the job, right? Don't be that guy. So it's a given, it's a take. If you want to improve yourself, you must also improve them. Meaning one of my biggest, most, it's my favorite part of running a company because I view my, my employees like having children, What's the best part of having children? Watching them grow and improve and have a life. I have a 19-year-old, almost 20-year-old son right now, moved out, living on his own, has a place, has a great job because he works for me. But I get to watch his life take off. That's the whole point. I want the same for my employees. Watching an employee come in and say, I just got approved for this car. And he comes in in a brand new car. Or I just got approved for this new apartment. And he gets to move up into a bigger, better place, different part of town. I just had an employee buy a house at, I don't, I think he's, yeah, he's 20. <laughs> I had a 20 year old employee buy a house. That's beautiful. That's what this is all about. It's not about, look how big my house is and my car and my this and my that. It, try that. Go walk into anywhere and start talking about how big your house is, big your car is, and everybody's going to think the same thing. Dick. Nobody cares. I care about how big their house is. If you work for me, I want you to buy a house, buy a car, buy the biggest, best. And if you can't buy it right now, buy something because eventually I'm going to make it so that you can buy a house bigger and better. That's the whole point. It's about them. And if you acted it's all about you, they're going to feel that and they're going to leave. And then your fears are going to come true because they're not going to take your job. They're just going to take off, right? Focus on improving them, not you. The more they improve, the more you will. A self-serving leader doesn't believe in their employees. They don't. One of my, I hear this all the time. I see it. People share it on Facebook and memes and everything. And it just makes my blood boil. If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. It's because you don't believe in your employees. It's because you think less of them. Because you look at it as if they can't do it the way you do it, that there must be something wrong with them. Forgetting about all the experience and the training that you had and how you sucked at it too when you started. Yeah, I said it. Remember back all of you that have been doing this a long time and think about how good you were your first month, your second month. And then you get really good at your assistant technician position and you move up into leadership. Were you just the best at it day one? Of course you weren't. Nobody wants to think about that though. I had to. We put together these 30-day quizzes for our new employees, right? And Max and I are sitting there looking it over. We're like, oh. we had all these questions in and we showed it to some of the employees. They're like, nobody knows it after a month. We're like, what? That's easy. Everybody knows the three, two, 10 rule or knows that it's supposed to, or the, the alloy of the, like, no, they've been in a month, John. And I'm like, oh, right. What, what should they know after a month? I don't know. Cause I forgot what it's like to be there. A lot of us have. I dropped the 32-foot ladder and broke it my first month. I stood up a customer's house because I didn't close the damper on the fireplace. 
Remember that stuff. Remember all the crap that you did before you turn around and say, well, you just suck. Because that's not true. We all did. That's the whole point of us growing. Just you've been doing it 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Remember what it's like for the new guys and don't hold it against them. God. A servant leader, it's very simple, you know, self-serving, don't believe. Well, servant leaders believe in their employees. I believe that they can. Every single person through the door, I believe that they can. I have to allow them the permission to fail. Because they will. They're going to. They're holding themselves accountable. They're nervous. I have a lead right now that's scheduled, or an assistant lead, up and coming lead that's scheduled to go out on an inspection. He was pulling his hair out today at the shop. He was freaking out. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, you can. I believe in you. He doesn't believe in him. So I have to believe in him even more. You don't come down on somebody like that. Believe in your employees, but know they're going to fail. They're going to screw up, not do something right. They're going to, it just happens. We all did it. Nobody here is perfect. So don't act like you are. The difference is help them overcome, help them to improve, show them where they fell short. Don't demonize them for it or call them names. That's that's not helping anybody. All you're going to do is make them scared even more to fail the next time. They're going to fail. Admit, uh, Own up to that, be ready for it and move past it. Because if you make it a big deal, it's just going to make it worse. But believe that they can. I was in a class a couple of years ago and the guy talked about the difference between willing and able. Because if you get somebody that's willing but not able, you run with that person. You put everything you have into that person because they are willing. They're just not able. There was a guy in the class that says, I'm scared of heights. And he's like, most people wouldn't hire that guy for a chimney job because he's scared of heights. Why would you? He goes, I would hire you in a heartbeat. He's right. I had a guy come work for me, scared to death of heights. Didn't touch the ladder for the first two months. I showed up to a job and he's on the ground. I was like, hey, bring these up on the roof. He's like, I can't, I can't. Everybody's like, he's not going to last. I'm like, yeah, you will. You watch. Believe in him. He went a little bit too far because he became the guy that started running around on 12 pitches, not wearing what he's supposed to. And I had to talk him down because he got too comfortable. (laughs) But it's amazing what happens when you believe in someone. Anybody else that hires a guy that's scared to step foot on a ladder would just toss him to the side. You're like, okay, next. I need to find the next experienced greatest guy that's already got it together. Yeah, good luck with that because I got a few episodes back that will tell you that's a bad idea too. Hire somebody that has no idea what they're doing and they're scared of being on a roof and I can turn them into a rock star just simply by believing in them and pouring into them. It's that simple. The opposite to that, by the way, if you hire somebody that's willing but not able, pour into them, they're going to be great. The opposite is cancer. The opposite is able but not willing. How many people do you know like that? They can. And when they do, they're great. They just don't want to or they don't care enough. That's a cancer. A lot of us, that we want that. We want the experience. Oh, you're experienced? Great. I've hired three experienced people, all from different size companies and backgrounds and all the certifications, everything, thinking that it matters. It doesn't matter. All you're getting is someone else's training. You better know who you're hiring because if they're able and not willing, that's a cancer. The last one I got here is a servant employee will take from their employees. That's what they think. They think the employees are there for their benefit. You're here to work for me, to help me, to make my company bigger, to make me better, to make and make and give and give. You're here for me. A a self-serving leader takes everything they can, time, money, energy, all of it. A servant leader gives to their employees. I, (laughs) this actually reminds me of being in a Bible study years ago and the preacher's up there talking about everybody's favorite topic, money. 
right? Everybody talks about money and you're like, oh God, here's that talk again. This guy changed it up because he knows. He's like, yeah, everybody's sick of hearing about it, but let me explain it to you. Everybody wants to give generously. They always talk about give generously, give generously. He goes, I like to give hilariously. And I'm like, what? He goes, I like to give to the point that people go, what? Because everybody thinks, you know, for those that have been in church and have heard the money talk, that's always 10%, 10%, give this and that. And he goes, yeah, that's good. But when the Bible says give generously, it's not just money. It's give everything. Your time, your energy, your advice, your wisdom, your help, your hand, whatever it is, give it to them. And I, that, that clicked for me. And I'm like, that, make, that makes more sense just hearing it that way. So I started doing the same. I'm like, I'm going to give to the point that it's laughable. I'm going to give hilariously. And I do. I told you about those uh, perks that I gave, the, the $300 gift cards for boots and clothes and all that I gave to all my employees. One of them at the time, when I first started doing this, I was in the van with him that week and he was already leaving. He had told me that he was coming in because he was an apprentice for an electrician. He was only working for me to pass the time until, and I said, that's fine. He's holding on to his gift card in the van and he goes, why'd you do this? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm leaving. Why would you give me this much money to give me clothes to wear that I'm only going to wear for a month because I'm leaving in a little bit? And I was like, because while you're here for that next month, you're going to be warm. Blew his mind. He's like, I'm not even staying. Most people that I worked for were just kind of, okay, whatever. Thanks. You know, I'll skip over you because you're not worth it. Give hilariously. Give to that makes people scratch their heads. Like, why, why would you do that? At Caesar Chimney, we give bonuses. We got Christmas bonuses. We got quarterly bonuses for the managers. We've got perks and spiffs and gifts and praise and benefits and awards and rewards. And we spin a wheel every Monday morning, give somebody a hundred dollars for doing their job. I'm not even kidding. Who booked the most calls? Who had the cleanest van? Who did the most sweepings? Who did, whoever just did gets on there. You have to do anything other than your job. And do it well, obviously, but I'm paying people to have done their job well on top of paying them on Friday. Like that one guy who just says, that's my thank you. I give him a paycheck and then a bonus and then a perk and then a gift card. And then, oh, by the way, because you won the wheel, here's a hundred dollars too. <laughs> like, like give until it's stupid. Why wouldn't you? Well, I think this ties into what we talked about last week because it comes down to knowing your numbers. If you don't have the time which I hear a lot, and that's another episode coming up. Maybe next week, not really sure. I'm not planning my episodes like I used to, so it kind of goes on what I'm feeling at the moment. But I have an episode coming up soon where I talk about that. If you don't have the time, you fix it. That's a you problem. Don't act like the clock is working against you. You're in charge of your own schedule. So if you don't have time, it's a you problem. You don't have the money to give gifts, praise, rewards, awards, all that stuff. Know your numbers. If you can't afford basic things like uniforms or better uniforms or better tools, that's also a you problem. You don't know your numbers. Either you're spending too much or making too little. Maybe you're an idiot like me and you didn't raise your repair prices for three years in a row and you can't, you're figuring out why the numbers aren't matching. <laughs> I don't know. It comes down to knowing your numbers. So it's one of two things. You don't have the time, make it. You don't have the money, make it. Figure it out. Know your numbers, work on your schedule. But sitting back, I talk to too many people, they sit back and they just go, oh man, I just don't have the time. Oh, okay. My company's growing by leaps and bounds and we can't turn work away. We schedule time on purpose. It's that simple because we know our numbers and I can afford to only work my guys five days a week instead of seven or six. 
That's that's a it's a conscious decision if you care about them more than your wallet. So that's the long answer. But when people ask me, how do I get your culture? How do I get my guys to care? How do I get my guys to to give and to thank and to try and to do and to take care of my customers? It's very simple. I care about them first. A lot of people, well, the customer comes first. The customer comes first. Customer's number one. No, they're not. Well, they could be, I guess. But that means your employees come in at least second. Hopefully you don't. My employees come first. 100% my employees come first. That's the only way work gets done around here. It's the only way I get to move up and onward and outward, my managers and my leadership, and that's how they can make more money and do more. And that's how the company grows is if I put my employees first and they 100% are, and they know that. It's not just a buzzword or something on the wall or whatever. It's, I feel it. I do it. They feel it. That's our culture. If they know I have their back and they know that I'm there for them to make their lives better, not just their the eight hours, 10 hours they're at work. Like I'm in it for them getting new cars and bigger houses and doing things and taking vacations. Like if they know that I'm in it for them, they will run through a wall for me. That's just the way it is. So are you a servant leader or are you a self-serving leader? It makes all the difference. <laughs> I managed to go another 50 minutes. One, I promise one of these days I'll learn to shut up. But that's all I got for this week. Hopefully I see you next week. And thank you for lending me your ears.